Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Greg Braylon. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, Claude Drew's run in Florida this season is over. The Panthers were eliminated from the playoffs in the second round. They were swept by the two-time defending champion Lightning. Drew was very productive in Florida, but everyone knows he wanted to get to that Stanley Cup final and get a crack at the Cup. It did not happen. The Lightning sure look like the two-time defending champion. Uh, They are very impressive. So now Drew is set to hit unrestricted free agency. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Joe, overall, what did you think of his decision to basically send himself to Florida, and how do you think he did down there? Well, you know, you can't fault him for wanting to go to Florida. They were the best team. Um, they were seemingly stacked beyond belief, um, offensively and defensively. And it's not as if Giroux was going to be the, he didn't go there having to be the guy, um, like he was for much of the time in Philadelphia. He went there adding to it already a, a stable that had already led, um, the Panthers to one of the best records in the league before he got there. So, you can't fault him for the decision. Um, back before the trade happened, there was a lot of discussion around Colorado, and obviously that now, in hindsight, looked like it looks like it might have been a better destination. But you never know. You, I mean, you you don't really know, and you know, he, there's a lot of other factors other than just winning. It's you know, family. He has young kids. It, it's you know, it's a there's a number of factors that goes go into that decision. So I don't think you can fault him. But the thing is, you know, this Tampa team is, I'm, I feel like I'm running out of words to describe them. They, the amount of hockey they've played in the last two years and to see what they do and how they we- they seem to systematically wear teams down. Their coach, John Cooper, is just, I, I don't know how you could argue that he's even the best coach in the league right now. Um, to get this much out of their players. And, you know, you just see how all those guys, they've won a lot of the guys on the team right now have won two rings and they're laying it on the line every night, blocking shots. I think Stamkos went up the tunnel three times in a game the other night and he barely missed a shift. I mean, it's, it's some kind of job by their coaching staff to have guys that have multiple rings with this level of buy-in, especially when you consider the amount of extracurricular stuff that these guys have had to deal with over the last two seasons with COVID and guys in and out of the lineup and weird schedules and, and all those sorts of things. And to have this level and, you know, there's no way to put the Florida Panthers ran into a buzzsaw, much like the Toronto Maple Leafs ran into a buzzsaw in the first round, but that series went seven games. And before the season, I thought Toronto was going to go to the final. I thought that they had that kind of firepower. But 
you can never underestimate the heart of a champion. It's a cliche, but in this case, it's certainly uh, panning out on the ice, and the Florida Panthers got caught up in it. Uh, they don't have a ton of guys on that team that have experience winning, and um, you ran into a full team of guys that, you know, the core players have all won the two Stanley Cups there. And, um, you know, it, it's hard to knock that team off a pedestal. And, uh, you know, the, the motto with a lot of teams in sports you always hear is, we're the champions until somebody tells us we're not. Well, the Lightning seems dead set. They seem dead set on not letting anyone tell them they're not the champions. Um, and now they are back in another Eastern Conference final, and they've won 10 plays, playoff series in a row. It's incredible. It really is. It really speaks to John Cooper's coaching ability. Probably going to be a Hall of Famer when things are all said and done for sure. But uh, to think that the Lightning, even throughout this, like you said, Joe, they've mentioned you mentioned they, they've dealt with hurdles. I mean, they'll lose a star player for a chunk of time, and they it's just ho hum. They keep going. It's just it's just par for the course with them. It's just it, it really is. It's impressive stuff by Tampa, and you think about how impressive this sweep is. Florida was the President's Trophy winning team. They scored goals at and at a historic clip, historic clip this regular season. They couldn't even sneak out a win. Four game sweep for Tampa just shows you how much this uh, Lightning team wants a third cup and how just stacked they are with winning pedigree and skill and speed and everything. But and I, and I should be clear, I, I'm not I, I'm not blaming Giroux for this. I mean. You, Nobody showed up. Yeah. I mean, Barkov, one of the best players in the league, yep. not to be heard from most of the series. Huberto, one of the top scorers in the league, nowhere to be found. And it, it, it's just incredible how, you know, everyone seemed to disappear in this series. And, you know, I don't think Sergei Bobrovsky played poorly, but Andre Vasilevsky uh, proved yet again, he is just in a different class of goaltenders in this league right now. Indeed. And you try not to read too much on social media, but sometimes when you tweet something about Claude Drew, you get a couple of idiots responding. To oh, I saw, I saw it. I saw it yeah. out there. And, and you don't want to read too much into it because that's a select small group. It's not everyone. Uh, a lot of fans aren't on even on Twitter or social media, but you get people like knocking Claude Drew for not showing up in the playoffs. I mean, he was the team's second leading scorer for Florida in the playoffs. The team's second. And the guys I just mentioned did nothing. Right. Their star players that had been there all season struggled more than Claude Drew. Claude Drew actually had eight points in 10 games. He was actually uh he was actually pretty good in the playoffs. He had three goals, five assists uh in 10 games. And he was over a point-per-game player when he went to Florida. He had 31 points in 28 total games of Florida, including the playoffs. Uh, Panthers were 19-9-0 in the games that he played. So they were pretty good They were pretty good with Claude Giroux. Uh, they happened to get swept by Tampa Bay, the two-time defending champs. I mean, Claude Giroux was a major acquisition for them. It was a successful trade for Florida. They got exactly what they are expecting from Drew, but... He's 34 years old. It's not like he was going to go down there and put the entire team on his back and beat the Lightning by himself. Uh, had a good playoffs, and hindsight truly is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, <laughs> always. I mean, Claude Drew picked a one of the best teams. Uh, if that's the team he wanted to go to, Claude, Chuck Fletcher admit, admitted that uh, he had a very limited 
uh, group of teams that he could deal him to. It sure sounded like Claude Drew wanted the Panthers. Who could blame him? It was a very good team, one of the best. And all hockey people said this year was that this Stanley Cup playoffs was wide open, that there was a major number of teams that could win this cup. It was very tough to predict. I think we're seeing it still that you're not exactly sure who's going to win it all. Um, so Drew, you know, I thought he made a good decision. It was more about uh, – it was much more than just uh, going to the best team. I think Florida was a nice destination for him and his two younger boys and his wife. Uh, you're not traveling across the country. You're not changing time zones. Uh, I think that played a factor. Uh, you know, he's 34 and he's got two young kids. Like these things factor into it all. So, you know, I don't fault Claude Drew for anything. I thought he went down there. I thought he was successful. And they lost in the second round. It happens. Yeah, and if you're a fan of the Florida Panthers or a media member covering the Florida Panthers, I'm pretty sure the criticism columns are not centered around Claude yeah. Giroux. They're surrendered around. They're centered around uh, Alex Alex Barkov and and Jonathan Uberdo and the guys that I just mentioned. Uh, you know, they made the guys that were good for them all season were making plays. The game that they lost with three seconds left in the game, Mackenzie Weger makes a ridiculous error behind the net to play the man and lets the pass go through. To a guy on the doorstep and leaves his man. I mean, these are these are plays that cost you games. And in this area, yeah, people are going to focus on Drew went there and they lost. But down there, I'm pretty sure the names Barkov, Uberdo, um, Duclair, the guys that have been there all year that didn't really show up in this series, they're the ones being blamed for what's going on. And you mentioned about how everyone going into the playoffs, said that these playoffs were wide open. I feel like the Lightning look have, have the look of a team that took that to heart. Like, wait a second, everybody kind of forgot about us, so we're just going to do what we do, and that's what they're doing. And then they're in the Eastern Conference Finals against either the Rangers or, uh, or Carolina. I think it'll be a great series regardless of who they play between those two Absolutely. teams. Absolutely. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Well, Joe, I think the big question then became, once we saw Drew was officially eliminated, what's next? What is going to happen with Claude Drew this summer? He can hit unrestricted free agency. I'm not sure anyone really knows. I think the diehard Drew fans here in Philadelphia are crossing their fingers that maybe he signs and comes back. I think the chances are very slim to none. But, Joe, do you think Drew could come back to Philadelphia? Or where do you think, uh, you know, he could go this summer? What's in store for Claude Giroux? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think the chances are very high um, that he comes back here. And, you know, the t couple teams I was thinking about are probably going to make Flyers fans cringe. But I feel like at this stage in his career, he could really help a team like Boston. Because Patrice Bergeron might retire. And if Patrice Bergeron retires, then all of a sudden you can see him fitting in even more. Um, and I I also think a team like the Rangers, um, you know, a, a veteran guy who is versatile in terms of the positions that he can play, um, I think he could help either of those teams. And either of those teams would make Flyers fans cringe, but – you know, we've seen that he's interested in staying on the East Coast. Those two teams are East Coast teams, and I could really, really see him um, with either of those teams. And But I, I think his chances of coming back to the Flyers are, are very, very slim at this point in time. Agreed. And it's very similar to when 
the trade deadline was nearing and everyone's wondering what's Claude Drew going to do. Is he going to waive his new move clause? Where does he want to go? Very little people knew. Very little people. Only the people that were probably closest to him. And, of course, Flyers management, Chuck Fletcher. Similar to this situation, it's tough to tell. It's tough to get a read what he's going to want. Uh, he'll, I'm sure he'll eventually address reporters down there in Florida for clean-out day. I don't think he's going to say much. But, yeah, does he want to maybe play for a Canadian team? Is that maybe something on his bucket list of, you know, obviously being a Canadian-born player, would he eventually want to play for one of those franchises? Does he want to stay on the East Coast? He's very used to the East Coast. It would make his move probably a lot easier. Uh, maybe he's grown accustomed to that. Uh, is he going to really look for a team that's like right there on the verge of the cup? So many things come into play, but I will say the one gut feel I have, and I kind of feel strongly about it, I just don't think a reunion with the Flyers is going to happen. I know it's possible, obviously. Uh, he will have his pick of teams. Uh, I think the Flyers would be interested. I just don't think he wants to – I don't want to say he doesn't want to come back because I think he loved his time in Philly, but I think that chapter has fully turned. I think he's ready to try something else just like he did with Florida. And for me, he's not – one for attention. And I think this would bring an awkward attention to him. If he comes back, it's like, okay, is he the captain again? Uh, how does he fit back in with the new pieces and the guys that are here that maybe felt they were ready to step up into his shoes? I don't think he's, I think he felt goodbye was goodbye when he had that send off in his a thousandth game. It was emotional. The fans did everything for him. The organization did everything for him. To me, that was a goodbye, and I think there will be an awkwardness to if he came back. And I think he uh, feels that way. I think he knows maybe that was goodbye for good. What, what do you think, Joe? Well, here's the other thing, too. Um, anything can happen, but this team is not on the verge of right. winning or contending for a Stanley Cup. So I can't figure out why he would come back here aside from the sentimental factor. But if he chose Florida because he wanted his best chance to win – then why this offseason would he then choose a team that's not on the verge of winning? Or, I mean, I'm not going to – I don't want to say anybody doesn't have a chance, but the, the, this Flyers team you would think is a, four, a few years away from contending. I'm not sure that's what Giroux looking to be part of at this point in his career. Um, so that would be just that, – that would be another reason, and I agree with you that I think goodbye was goodbye, and um, – you know, it wouldn't make much sense for either side to me um, for a reunion to take place just a few months after he said goodbye. Exactly. And you, you you would think that he got a real drive from being in the playoffs again. Like, it probably really fueled him to get back there and get close. And like you said, Joe, the Flyers are not there right now. Just too many question marks. And you wonder if even the Flyers would be super open to it. Uh, Claude Drew is going to make a decent amount of money. Uh, obviously, he's not going to make the money that he made on his previous deal. He's at a different stage in his life and his career. But he's going to make a decent amount of money. He probably wants some years on his deal, too. And the Flyers are certainly in a pretty big retool where they're trying to get a little younger, trying to look at the future a little bit more. They want to get better quickly, but I do just feel like that was goodbye for good. But as for where he's going to go if it's not the Flyers – I just – I had no idea. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's even interested in Florida again, given, you know, Huberto and Barkov are still in their primes. Florida has a really good team. It's beautiful weather down there. So 
it wouldn't surprise me if he's interested in going back there and trying to run it back and see what Florida can do. Maybe Florida's a, a piece or two away. Maybe they feel strongly about that. I'm not sure. Uh, but, Joe, it's inter- interesting that you mentioned the Bruins and Rangers. I guess we'll have to see where this goes with Claude Giroux. But uh, certainly a major storyline going into the offseason. And it will be weird to see him, whatever jersey he wears, it will certainly be weird to see him in that. I, I found it weird throughout the playoffs trying to pick him out when he was on the ice uh, in the Florida Panther jersey. So if you're not used to that, then you may have to get used to another new jersey, and that'll be even you know even more uh, more weird. And you know, in terms of you mentioned about the money, I think the Flyers need to invest sizable money elsewhere. They need to invest it in somebody that's going to score more goals than Giroux is going to score. Let's be honest at this point in his career. Um, so I, I, you know, again, I just don't think it makes sense for either side um, for a reunion to take place this off season. I agree. You look at his numbers with the Panthers, they were really good, but it was lopsided. It was six goals, 25 assists. That's fine. Playmakers are awesome. Like you love playmakers, but the Flyers for a while now have been known to have too many playmakers not enough goal scorers. Drew went to a team with a lot of finishers, a lot of talented pieces that can that can uh, finish and also facilitate. Everyone knew he would blend in so well there. It's a talented guy um, that if you look at him as almost like a complimentary guy now, boy, that's a very good complimentary player. Uh, I don't think the Flyers need another playmaker. Um, it's fine if they get a playmaker, but they need more finishers, plain and simple. And you would think Drew would probably fit better elsewhere and get a better chance at the cup elsewhere. It's just cut and dry right there. Joe, while the team continues to interview head coaching candidates, that's obviously a major topic right now for the organization. The first big decision of this offseason, they have made a couple small uh, signings. They re-signed Nick Steeler and re-signed Linus Sandin. Let's start with Sealer Joe. I thought that was a fine move. Uh, he's going to make the league minimum, uh, two-year deal, seven hundred fifty thousand. Good depth defenseman, seventh or eighth guy. He's going to compete for that extra role, and I think you can rely on him uh, when you need. And I think he's a very good teammate. I I, I have no problem with that. Um, it's you know it's not like they're devoting three or four years and uh, well over two or three million or something. It's he's making the league minimum, and I think he's a solid guy. Did you, did you have any problems with that? No, not at all. And you saw him him willing to mix it up when to into to you know uh, defend teammates uh, very early on in his tenure this past season. Um, so I definitely think he's a he's a uh, a good guy for the locker room. And like you said, you know he's he's a good lower end defenseman. Um, and I feel like he was in this group of guys who were kind of on an audition type of role this year I when I think of him I also think of a guy like Zach McEwen who came in limited skill set but a guy who's willing to get in there defend his teammates be a good teammate and occasionally you know mix in some offense but be an emotional type of player that can get people fired up and I think Sealer did that and yeah no problem with bringing him back and I would have no problem if they were to bring a guy like Zach McEwen back as well and I know you know, Scott Hartnell was super impressed with the energy and the sort of um, the emotion that McEwen brought to every game that he played in. So, you know, you can 
you really can't go wrong with guys like that as long as you're not relying on them too much. So, I, you know, I definitely think that was a, a, a decent move. Exactly. When those depth guys are depth guys, it's fine and well. But, yeah, if you have to see them climb your lineup or play bigger minutes than they should, that's when you start questioning what guys you have in place in the right roster. But these are fine depth players, and you see the physicality really go up a level in the playoffs. Uh, you're going to need guys that are willing to do those little things Nick Sealer was certainly a guy that embraced blocking shots, standing up for teammates. Um, I don't want those qualities on a top pair, but if he's a seventh or eighth defenseman, I think that's perfect. That's exactly what you want. He can go in there, be reliable, um, and I think that's what you get in Nick Sealer. With Sandine Joe, uh, a, a Swedish winger, depth guy, played one game so far in his NHL career. It was last season he made his debut. One-year deal, making the league minimum. We'll get out of the crack at maybe some more NHL games. Um, I was okay with it. Again, these aren't moves that I think you really need to have this strong opinion on. Uh, he was a restricted free agent. Flyers kept his rights and are, are going to keep him in the organization. Yeah, I mean, you you need guys that are serviceable players. And I think anybody that's um, made enough of an impact to – to come up and play in the NHL at all. I mean, even if it's just the one game, clearly they, they caught somebody's eye to be elevated to that level, even if it's just for one game. So, you know, no issues bringing him back and, you know, keeping him in the organization. And, and, and this is all – every team deals with injuries. You don't know how severe you're going to deal with them or how much, but it is always nice to know uh, that you have guys – on lower levels of the organization that have experienced an NHL game that can come up and, and make us, you know, a spot appearance with the NHL team or, and, you know, you never know. I mean, you hear stories all the time about guys developing late and, and, you know, ending up being really serviceable players. So, you know, definitely fine with that, uh, that uh, re-signing as well. And one thing I'll say about Sealer real quick, going back to him, you want guys that are going to be good teammates. Like that's that goes a long way over a course of a season. You're trying to get guys that are going to be okay with sitting. They're going to be okay with not getting things handed to them. So you need good human beings in those roles. And one thing I remember about Nick Sealer, when Ronnie Adder came up for his NHL debut, here was a young kid that the organization is super high on that plays Nick Sealer's position and was going to essentially be taking playing time and minutes away from Nick Sealer. That first practice where obviously, you know, a college kid's jumping into an NHL practice probably needs some help, probably doesn't know exactly what's going on. He said Nick Sealer went out of his way to really help Adder, um, show him the ropes. Hey, do this, do that, go there. Here's what this drill is. I mean, that tells you a lot. Nick Sealer didn't have to do that, to do that, do that, do that. But he, I think he's a good teammate. Same with Sandine. He's going to give the organization depth. And maybe he'll get a game or so, or maybe he'll – jump up and prove he can play and help this team. So find find smaller moves right now uh, amid this coaching search. Yeah, I mean you just mentioned you just mentioned sort of um, Sealer almost being a mentor to Ronnie Adder. Not that you know Sealer's not like your top defenseman who's looking, but just you don't see that a lot in other sports. I mean, I just comes to mind a couple weeks ago uh, the Tennessee Titans in the NFL draft Malik Willis and Ryan Tannehill comes out and says publicly, I'm not, it's not my job to mentor him. Yeah. 
And, you know, professional athletes are very competitive, whether it be their opponents or somebody that's vying for the same job within an organization. And you just mentioned guys that should be competing for the same job and and the one being, you know, mentor-ish to the other one. And it, you know, it tells you a lot about that person when when they're willing to do so, when we see so much of the opposite occurring across sports, not just hockey. So true. And Joe, quickly, as we wrap up, why not hit on coaches a little bit? Since we last spoke, has anything changed for you? Has your opinion swayed at all on maybe who you would like to see be the Flyers' next head coach? Um, I, I'm not, I am not uh, very high on the bringing a, a, a college guy in. Okay. Uh, there might be a little bit of bad taste with from the Dave Hackstall situation. Um but I think mostly it's, and we talked about this uh, on our last podcast, about the optics of this situation. There is definitely a component where if you hire a guy, and I'm not saying David Quinn's a college coach, but most of his coaching has been in college. He coached at BU, and that's really where he had his success as a coach. I don't think that that is, that is not it's not splashy enough for what the Flyers need. And I'm not talking about splashy just in the way it looks. I'm talking about splashy in that you need a guy that has a something you can point to and go, that that's why we hired him. That's why we want him. He needs to get us back to that level that he got X team that he was with. Um, and I, I think they need to go with an established guy. I really do. Um, you know, of course, they went with an established guy with Elaine Vigneault. But – you know, you see it all the time. You see guys who haven't had, who have had some success elsewhere, and then they just need to get to the perfect spot to kind of reach new heights. And um, I just think that's the best chance for the Flyers now, and particularly in trying to make this a quicker turnaround as opposed to a lengthier turnaround. Um, I really, th and with with a young kind of retooling team, not knowing what you're going to do in terms of the roster in the offseason. I just think an established guy is, is a much better uh, route to go for this team. I do too. Winning cheers all and winning puts butts in seats, but the Flyers can't win a game before the season starts. And the fact is they need to generate excitement and get fans ex you know, going again, put them in the Wells Fargo Center to start the season. And what would do that is an established head coach with pedigree, with some cachet, uh, not a younger guy that fans don't know. So that is a really tough spot uh, for the Flyers. They maybe, you know, maybe Chuck Fletcher does really like an inexperienced guy that he would maybe love to gamble on, but I'm not sure they're in that spot because the Flyers, we've talked about it. They need to rejuvenate the fan base. They need to get people excited over the dog days of the summer where things are a little slower and people are still kind of stewing over the frustration of the last two seasons. They got to get people going again. And a big splash would certainly do that before you can even win a game or hold a practice. So that has to be held. Uh, that has to be taken into account, without a doubt. Uh, for me, I think Barry Trotz should still be the guy they should be aiming for. But he will certainly have his pick of the litter. Who knows where that's going to go. Uh, if not Barry Trotz, I still look at Jim Montgomery. I still look at Rick Tockick. I think these are guys that have some, um, some experience, some things to add, uh, and some passion to bring to the Flyers. But 
we will see. And I would throw John Tortorella into that group too. Yeah, yeah, Joe. We touched on him a little bit before last time, and yeah, gosh, if you're looking for a guy that's gonna light a fire underneath the Flyers and really get guys to buy in from day one, no doubt. And get it. the fans super interested because the fans are familiar with him. Yeah. Um, of course, they faced him way back in uh, 04 when he was on the way to the Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Um, Flyers took them to seven games. The Lightning went on to win the Cup. And then, obviously, his stops with the Rangers where he had, you know, obviously several um, several run-ins with the media that end up um, – I don't want to say viral because viral really wasn't a thing when he was with the Rangers yet. Uh, but then Columbus as well. And if you think back way back to the, the series with the Lightning in 04 when he was with the Flyers, he was uh, – that was when Tortorella famously told – Ken Hitchcock to shut his yap, which is maybe the most uh, famous of uh, John Tortorella quotes. And I I think that the fans would be excited about having someone with that fiery personality uh, behind their bench. Um, but we'll see. So I think his name definitely has to be in that mix too. Yeah, absolutely. 100% and certainly has some Philly vibes to him, that's for sure. Well, Joe, thanks so much as always. Great seeing you. Great chatting with you. We'll continue to cover the coaching search and continue to have all the coverage throughout this offseason as it picks up. But first, of course, that big decision uh, for the coach. And then, of course, seeing Claude Drew now hit uh, the offseason, and we'll follow that as well. But thanks so much, Joe. As always, Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru, a special thanks to him. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, Please rate and listen, and we can't wait to talk to you next time. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.